640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question. Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. Let's do just that. It's 7:35. Great to have you here in Toronto today. By the way, 18 degrees now, and up to another record-breaking high of 29. So maybe this is the last indoor time for our next guest. Maybe they'll be outside having that hot sunshine on them, and they'll pretend that it's August. We say good morning to former Toronto Police Chief, mayoral candidate as well. He is Mark Saunders. Morning, Mark. Morning, Greg. How are you? Lovely to have you on. I'm really good. And of course, uh, you know her, you love her. She communicates great. You've seen her, you've heard her. Broadcasting superstar. It's on her business card. I put it there, though. Don't add, don't blame her for this. Stephanie Smythe joins us now. It's great to have I'll, you on. I'll take it. Good morning, Greg. And uh, hi, Mark. Good morning. Yeah, Greg, you know I've done my 10,000 hours with Stephanie over the years. <laughs> she has told me this. Yes. you like So what? You did like a monthly segment together where it was all uh, sunshine and lollipop. I mean, I'm sure she didn't ask any tough questions that made you sweat a little bit. Come on. That's not that's not in her nature. No, of course not. <laughs> Stephanie's an angel. Aww, and you too, Mark. It was, it was always a pleasure to see you, so I have well, to say. Well, we have some footage of some tense moments between you two. For, no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm no. kidding. We do not. Um, Mark, let's start with you because we had complete chaos for commuters in downtown Toronto. And I think people yesterday with a with a CN Rail shutdown, it affected Metrolinx and Go. It affected Via Rail and people all over the place at Union Station. And then it affects the downtown traffic. And then it affects how much we're paying for Ubers to get home and whatnot. We've got way more questions than answers right now, but what do you make of that sort of combined chaos that has that ripple effect to it? Well, Greg, we're in a situation right now where this is a masterclass case on how not to present to the public by not doing anything. And, you know, they say sunshine's the best sanitizer, and I'll tell you, the media is going to be on this like a dog on a bone, and they're going to shine a light to find out what the truth is, because nobody is satisfied with the, the answer, the very late answer, um, and they dropped the ball on this one. Stephanie, how do we change this? I know people say in my industry and in your industry, well, that, that must be a fun news day. It really isn't because the audience counts on the media to get answers. And if nobody steps front and center at Union Station and says, here's what we know and here's what we think, and they just put out releases or update a website okay. or send a tweet out, it does nothing to inform. And then we can't do our jobs. Well, and it's it's fascinating i would love to be behind the scenes right now watching the calm strategy that's going on here and what they really know what they aren't um telling us for various reasons right we don't know and and the former chief would know there's a lot of security going on when it comes to uh connectivity and internet and your last guest was talking about it as well but Mm -hmm. you got to keep the heat on and ask the right questions and go down the right hole because this kind of thing is just completely unacceptable. This, can you imagine this happening, you know, in Europe and, and major, you know, hubs like, you know, in Zurich or wherever, where you have whole systems going down. It's just, it cannot happen. And in this era of cyber attacks, which are very real, 
And they're very real for, for Canada right now in relationships ab- abroad. Let's talk about Russia and India, right? Yeah. You know, there to me, in my mind, this goes, you know, to a scary level. It goes deeper. Absolutely. And Steph, let's stay there with you because Parliament websites got hit last week. Uh, we saw, um, you know, the, the defense websites get hit. Revenue Canada feels like it gets hit a couple times a year. And right now, right now, because of the tension between Canada and India, it's obvious there's India-based groups claiming responsibility for some of those attacks. So if our mind goes there and communications people for these these big companies don't tell us what they think happened or even what they know happened, naturally the mind is going to is going to go where you just went. It's only fair and it's probably the right thing to to ask. Right. And it's got to they've got to keep the pressure on and they've got to come up with a strategy to address it to give people some confidence about getting back on a system. Can you imagine being there? Oh, you've got to find suddenly an alternate way home. I heard that one clip of the woman who was really chill saying, I don't need (laughs) to get home. That's okay. But, you know, that's not the norm. And also Mm. in this climate now where employers are saying, hey, get back to work now, right? We want you back hmm, maybe two days a week now, uh, maybe three days by the end of the year, but come January, full time back in the office. I don't think so. Right. Like people are going to go, I don't trust the system to get me to and from home. That's, you know, that's Stephanie Smythe's voice. Mark Saunders is with us as well. Former Toronto police chief. What changes in terms of allocation of officers, Mark, when you start to get calls and I bet you people called 911 for better or worse or indifferent yesterday in the afternoon explaining their scenarios. What happens? Do you deploy a lot more officers to Union Station? Do you have a lot of them directing even foot traffic? What happens? No, absolutely. It changes the whole dynamics. You know, we are creatures of habit. And the moment you have those habits and behaviors change in mass numbers, mm. that's where we start to get the friction, whether it's on the roads. And now we've got bicycles and scooters and people and cabs and Uber uh, or people just confined into areas or just the stress of, you know, I have to pick up my child at daycare. And, and what do I do now? Um, so you have those crisis intervention things. So the capacities involved uh, have to definitely increase. And you have to be just a little more cautious and you have to be able to talk really well to people uh, so things don't get any worse. I want to play you guys, David Shipley, in case people missed it. He's a cybersecurity expert. Here's his thoughts on whether or not this could have been a cyber attack. The first is a catastrophic failure of a piece of equipment that was what we would call in the business a single point of failure, which would be extremely surprising, but possible and extremely disappointing. And it would be great if we had the kind of transparency that said, yep, we were cheap and we relied on the Internet to route all this traffic. You know, the the router broke, the server broke. Um, We weren't doing proper maintenance. You know, we're going to learn that lesson. Uh, But we have no transparency into that. Yeah. And that's that's part of it, too, Mark, isn't it? The the communication. We had someone text in the show and, and he asked Doug asked a simple question. Can we not that Doug? Can we send our Uber bills to <laughs> CN Railway? And I will say the airlines, they try sometimes if the, if you miss a flight and you're like, but now I need a hotel or I need I need cab fare to get home. It's weird how they work with you like we wouldn't even. That sounds like a ridiculous request. And at the same time, it, it shouldn't be if you had to pay $200 to get home or pick your kid up at daycare. It, 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 that was an expense you weren't counting on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I've got to tell you, it still boils down to the fact that it is billions of dollars, taxpayers dollars involved in this infrastructure and no accountability equals red flag. Vacuum effect happens. And once you let the public fill in the blanks, nothing good comes from this. And so I, I think in the future, there's going to be demands for quicker, better, more truthful answers. And and we're going to get it, but it's going to be a lot of pain for a lot of people. Let me stay with you, Mark. And then I want to ask Stephanie the exact same question. 
Olivia Chow yesterday. I just I have that feeling. I think most do. John Tory would be out there or would make his way down to Union Station and say something. Is that a communication? I know she was in the city yesterday because she proclaimed it Blue Jays Day in the morning. So far, that hasn't worked. But whatever. Um. Anyway, should she be in front of a microphone and camera in the afternoon yesterday? Uh, you know, I got to be careful with the critique. I, I want this city to be the best city ever. Mm-hmm. And whatever the mayor is doing, the mayor was doing. I, I know that I would be there because I would know the importance and the impact that it's having on, on A, the city of Toronto, uh, B, small businesses, and, and C, what does tomorrow bring? And I think that's a big question. People are nervous. Mm-hmm. Like Stephanie said, I don't know if I want to go into work today. To be honest with you, I had enough from yesterday. So there'll be a lot of calls of people saying, I'm not coming in today. Stephanie, what what do you think? I know, you know, you in, in your TV universe, you'd play the clip and in New York, Chicago, big city mayors would be would they be all over the news to me, it feels like. What do you think about it? I'm with Mark in the sense that I think maybe a, a public safety expert like a chief, uh, you know, high rank, someone showing, look, we got this under control. If you're dealing with crowding at Union Station, you're dealing with, you know, angry uh, commuters. That's where. And of course, someone to step up from Metrolink, someone to step up from, you know, the organization to be there front and center, not just, you know, this vacuum, as Mark was talking about as well. Does it help to have a public figure such as a mayor stand up and, you know, say we're going to look into this? Absolutely. But, you know, it's the day after. But I think for sure, you know, somebody from from CN somewhere, you know, should have been there to speak up and, and you know, front and center yesterday at some point. Mark, just from law enforcement, then we're going to move along to Ontario Place. Cybercrime, cyber terrorism. I, I think sometimes the, the news stories blur together and we let them pass by because it hasn't happened to us yet. But as a police chief. How important is a concern of that? It's not like someone's going to call for Toronto police to come when they get their credit card stolen. But how do police forces address cybercrime? Well, you know, sometimes uh, being ignorant is bliss. And and I I remember talking in my last couple of years that this is becoming the Wild West. And with the dark web, they are selling Mm. ransomware kits off the shelf. And so there will be an increase of this, like there's no tomorrow. You factor in AI, quantum computing. We have to be prepared for tomorrow. And I don't think a lot of major entities really fully understand that. So that is something that needs to be put into major businesses portfolio with an aggressive forward thinking on what to do to deal with what is coming. It's not that it's not coming. It is coming. And what are you going to do when it happens? Mark Saunders, Stephanie Smythe as part of Think Tank. I want to I want to move to Ontario Place. Doug Ford was at the Toronto Board of Trade yesterday, talked about his plan, the government plan, the plan with the Austrian Spoth, the company Therma. Here's what he said. Ontario Place is called Ontario Place for a reason. And I say this respectfully, serving the people of Toronto. Um, it's not Toronto Place. It's everyone in Ontario that is going to come here. Everyone in the world is going to show up uh, when they visit. You know, the CN Tower has about a million, million two, million and a half visitors. We're going to see six million people come through Ontario Place, and that's pretty staggering. The new data, Stephanie, I heard yesterday that the Ford government put forward was it would create 37,000 jobs along the waterfront. And we think about Ontario Place now. You're a lifelong Torontonian. They're pretty close. We've just wasted so much time compared to other cities that have an incredible waterfront chicago sydney australia with the opera house lisbon portugal we've wasted no one can argue whether you like this plan or not we've wasted a lot of years where we just should have done more oh can we please just get something done 
<laughs> studies that I remember John Tory did a special, you know, uh, paper into Ontario Place. It's just it is time move forward. You know, to Doug Ford's point, it is Ontario Place. You know, it is a gorgeous piece of property that is just, you know, there's tumbleweeds going through it and it's unacceptable. It is time to get moving and just start something. Mm. And that's, that's where I stand. I remember years ago, it was the most exciting day when we got to go to Ontario place and as a kid, right? Public school trips, mm-hmm. you know, people who grew up in the city. Remember it was a key attraction. Look, whatever it takes, just get something done. Please make it a, a hub again, get those jobs going, whatever. Mark, full disclosure, you were paid uh, after you left uh, your job as chief to be a a paid advisor by the government to be an Ontario Place advisor. But just from your perspective, just from somebody who lives and walks the streets of Toronto, why did we wait so long? Why why did we go almost two decades and think, well, we'll just leave it? And you can't spend the whole day there even. Yeah, I mean, the wheels of government move slow. And as Stephanie said, there's a whole lot of talk, but, but no action on it. And people were brave enough to say, okay, put my foot down, we're going to move forward with this. And, and uh, you know, the way this process happened with the call for development, an 18-month process using Infrastructure Ontario to be the, uh, you know, third party to make sure that it was done transparently. Uh, the fact that it's going to create 37,000 jobs, the fact that two-thirds of Ontario Place, when it's finished, is going to be public realm, and we have an exciting opportunity to participate, to make it look like what Ontario is going to be and how it's represented, I think it's a good day that we start moving and we move now. I agree with Stephanie. Let's get going. Let's make it a beautiful, uh, fantastic venue for, for all of the world to see. Steph, it's an odd one because I, I don't I don't actually I quite don't love all the parts of, of the plan that they've put forward. But it's amazing that if, if you were going somewhere with your husband, if I was going somewhere with my wife to Chicago and I'd say, where's a great place to eat right by the waterfront? I don't even know what people would say in Toronto. We don't have, we don't, there's nowhere to go eat or have a drink or rent a boat or anything with our beautiful waterfront. It's sitting right there for us. Look, I, I can't disagree with you. Um, why Toronto hasn't developed, even just along the very front, you know, where you get the ferries, uh, you know, down by the key. Like there yeah. are a lot, there are restaurants down there, but I think there's always, in a sense, been a barrier, right? I don't know if it's Queen's Key itself, you know, the streetcars or whatever. I, and I understand what you're saying with Sydney and, and other places around the world. Chicago, hey, you know, just it's like so amazing. We've somehow dropped the ball. Um, but when it comes to moving forward, I think everybody acknowledges Toronto needs to take advantage of what we have. And we need to get moving. And if the, the thing is critical mass and money, right? It's all about money and sustainability in this city, in this country, and it's just not the dollars right now, especially right now. So, you know, again, if there's a plan to do something, it's progress. I understand the, the either side of the argument about Ontario Place, what's ideal, what isn't ideal in the, in the middle of that or in the midst of that. There's nothing. So just get moving on a plan and maybe this will spur other kinds of development in the area. You know, it's just a start. Yeah. Stephanie Smythe, that's her. Uh, Mark Saunders, that's him. Mark, I'll ask you one more question on this front. During your mayoral campaign, uh, I I think you saw other candidates really digging in on policy for Ontario Place. But I I felt like you were focused on other issues. And I I don't I don't say that's a bad thing. Did you always see it as sort of look, this is kind of a provincial call with the city kind of massaging some aspects of it. But it's provincial land. No, absolutely. Toronto's a whole city of, of, of provincial property. Number two, what everyone's forgetting is that there is an executive steering committee. It's composed of um, 
people representing Ontario Place, so the provincial government. Also, exhibition, because it's going to be amazing things happening there, as well as City Hall. And they sit there and they're planning it step by step to make mm-hmm. sure that we're going to get the best value for dollars for everything. So that whole massive piece of land on both mm-hmm. sides of Lakeshore are going to have the synergy to create the amazing things that we're looking for. And, and so it's done mm-hmm. properly. It's done methodically. And it will work out to be fantastic at the end of the day for everybody. Okay, let's go to the ace broadcast journalist here, uh, Stephanie. Uh-huh. That's you. Uh, Google took a look at some liberal <laughs> compromises about new online news legislation, and probably 2% of our listeners could fully explain or understand Bill C-18. It, it gets foggy for me a lot of times, but keeping it straightforward, uh, bottom line, Google doesn't like what they see. They're still going to block news. When I look at this, and I know this has affected people I know, people you know, current colleagues, former colleagues, I don't get where the liberal government saw the win here to regulate this. It looks like an effort to control messaging. What do you think of it? Well, it looks like an effort to have organizations like Facebook, but Google pay for journalism, pay for what they're using, pay for what they're giving the public for free. I mean, we are in a state now, Canadian journalism, it is dangerous. We have seen the layoffs at Bell. We've seen them in newspapers shut down. We know that there's going to be more doors and closed and lights turned out at outlets across this country. So journalism is not doing well. We have to pay for it. If you want to read an article in the Toronto Star on Facebook, you know, and you feel like you're being cut off because Facebook and Google aren't giving it to you for free, well, maybe you should start paying for that journalism and then you can read it because it is, it is a profession that is, you know, facing extinction. And I'm really afraid about this. You, there's so much work. It's so expensive. Uh, journalism, whether it's broadcast or print, it costs a lot of money. And we know that there are cutbacks over and over. obviously everybody just heard about, you know, ET Canada. Yeah. They're going to be, yeah. come on, really? In this country. So, you know, this is just the beginning of more we're going to hear about unless the, the providers of the journalism, the companies are able to make some money to pay for it. it it's not about trying to clamp down on, on messaging or anything like that, or take away your rights. It's about paying for something that deserves to be paid for, that hard work goes into, or else we're going to lose it. And that is that frightens me. Mark, I agree with Stephanie's points, but was this about the approach? Was this about getting them to the table as opposed to, in essence, hey, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this by this date, and Google and Meta just shrugged their shoulders and said, no, we're not, and there just wasn't a lot of give and take uh, and, and, and negotiation to make something work. Listen, this is a big game of chicken. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see who wins. But we also have to understand, uh, it's the Wild West with information you know, being passed around free and fast and in huge capacity. So how you contain that, if it's not strategic and well thought out, it will fail. And, and, and right now, the moment when you start talking about putting license on things, then you're talking about suppression. And so there needs to be a lot more dialogue and a lot more understanding of exactly where we're trying to get and how we're trying to get to that finish line. And I'm just not seeing it right now. Mm-hmm. But they, and Google and Facebook understand. I mean, look, they came to a resolution on Australia. Uh, they found a way around it, right? So it's just a matter of time. But like, think about it. Do you want your news to become hot takes on your socials? Or do you want it, you know, do you want to see it from real journalists? 
Yeah, it's it's an honest question. Uh, and I think, uh, by the way, they're watching this very carefully, as you know, Steph, in the United States, because they're looking and saying that tactic, they, they're feeling the same thing. Newspapers are, television networks are, but they're watching Canada going, is that a cautionary tale? You're right about the, ines- the essence of paying for journalism, but do we need a different approach? I know they're watching this really closely in the United States to see where we go with our, our conflict. So what's, what's a different approach? I think a different you approach is pay get- for it. Like if you want to read it, you have to pay for something. Why is it, why is it expected that people get it for free? I think it's going to the big companies and saying, is there a middle ground that we can find here? What, but here's the problem now. What they found is their traffic didn't drop one bit. It didn't drop one bit from them blocking news. And they'll be able to push that back and say, you see our bottom lines. The Canadian government was hoping their bottom line would be affected in Canada. And right now it hasn't been. It hasn't been. Well, I'm thinking they're going to come to some kind of resolution. Mm. They, they have to. There, there will be ultimately. And mm. the process is the process. But in the meantime, you know what? We're, we're watching news outlets shut down. We've got a couple minutes left. Let's talk about civility in politics. Selena Cesar Siobhan was on with us earlier. She, of course, former liberal MP. And she was talking about the House of Commons Speaker Greg Fergus, the first black uh, man, black woman uh, elected as Speaker of the House yesterday. Here's Selena Cesar Siobhan from earlier on Toronto Today. I think everybody, when they get into that chair, is going to say, let's be more respectful, let's be more civil. And I'm not sure Greg is going to be able to uh, dampen that kind of energy when it comes to uh, question period. It is going to be a joust. And as we get through closer to election season, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot more of that happening. I think he could try to temper it. He could use the rules a little bit more effectively. Um, but I don't think that that is going to disappear with the election of, of uh, the Honorable Greg Fergus as Speaker. OK, so civility in politics. Mark Saunders, you were part of a mayoral by-election that I honestly thought was really civil. You had tremendous disagreement. You're going to get seven, eight frontrunners. And how would you possibly agree on policy and on platform? But I thought it was really civil. Was that fair to say? Yeah, I, I thought it was civil. And listen, that the the direction is very aspirational. You know, my wife would want me 30 pounds lighter and a lot wealthier. She's not going to get that. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. We came up from the generation where, you know, the middle ground was a voice of reason. Mm-hmm. But right now, the middle ground is invisible because it's either one side that's very loud or the other. So the loudest voice wins and, you know, constituents want them, they want their representatives to be heard and to be heard, they've got to be louder. Not sure how to steer that around to make sure that you're getting a good full impact of those decisions to be made. But I I don't think we're going to see civility anytime soon. Um, And uh, it's a new day of doing business with with politicians, I think. Steph, is is the lack of civility, do we put too much emphasis on it? You were talking about clicks and socials and whatnot before. Maybe we see those viral moments, but maybe they just passed us by 20, 30 years ago. What do you think? You know, well, watching the Maribel election, I thought like it was really respectful and very civil, right? What we're seeing, you know, at least mm-hmm. in local politics, which mm-hmm. I, you know, impressed with all the candidates, and you know, um, so to that end, not a red flag here. You know, on the broader stage, you know, I do know that rage politics has been like all the rage in the U.S., right? And we've seen that leak across the border up here, maybe you know, with a little bit of the Polya business, you know, some. Some areas, right? Because people get mo- politics. Rage motivates people in politics, mm-hmm. right? Rage motivates votes and donations 
And, you know, so we've been watching this in the U.S. since, you know, 2016. Think about that era, right? Who came yeah. on the scene, right? So it's slowly coming north of the border. Um, yeah, we have to watch it, but it is ultimately, it is clickbait too, you know, and, and bringing up these issues that aren't really on the table, and you know, aren't immediate issues, but just creating creating conflict, creating fear, right? Um, that's what I see as more dangerous here uh, in terms of civility, you know, and, mm. how, and how that plays out in the House of Commons will be interesting to watch, too. Yeah, it will be. Stephanie Smythe, you're fantastic. Mark Saunders, tell your wife to settle for eight pounds lighter and just a bit more frugal. <laughs> just a bit more frugal. Just a bit tighter on that wallet. She'll love that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks so much, you two. Great to talk to you both. Take care. Stephanie Smythe, broadcaster, Mark Saunders, former chief of police.